Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The last Sunday of each month, we have been going through a different part of the Lord's Prayer. Tonight, we're halfway through as we look at Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And you should have the prayer itself printed in your worship guide, but I'm going to read um, a few chapters before that, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray with me. Lord, we gather together as your children to to sing songs, to read words, to spend time with one another. Yet all that is worthless apart from your spirit coming and being with us, allowing us to truly meet with Jesus in this place. And so we pray that that would happen. For God, we want to know you. That is our heart's desire. Lord, for that to happen, you're going to have to override a lot of obstacles that we bring in to this place. Closed minds, hardened hearts, distractions. God, I pray that you would melt all those things away and that we would truly hear from you. I pray that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain, and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're finally at the the part of the Lord's Prayer in which we get to ask for things, um, which, of course, is what we associate prayer with. You, You might not want to admit it, but really, when you boil down what you think prayer is, it's about asking God for things that you want. Um, Prayer is is asking God for a good job or maybe for a good house. It's asking for good health or a good lab report to come in. It's asking God for beautiful weather today that you could enjoy or for God to bless some jelly donut and somehow make it nutritious for your body that you might serve him. And so... Part of prayer certainly is this. Part of prayer is asking God for stuff that you want. Um, But it's important to understand where Jesus places this prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And I mentioned it before that this is at the midway point of the Lord's Prayer, which means that there were several things leading up to it. And it's these things leading up to this 
petition of give us this day our daily bread. It's those things that really frame how we are supposed to treat this petition of asking God for things. So the order is very important. The first thing, if you remember, that the Lord taught us to pray was our Father. We looked at that months back. And when we say our Father, we're reminded that when we come to Him, we come to Him as a child going before His or her Father. And there's a great confidence in this, and there's also a humility that goes with this. The confidence is that when we get to call God Father, we know that He's not going to cast us out, that He is going to accept us because we are His child. And so that allows us to boldly go before Him. But there's also a great humility that goes with this. Because when we call God Father, we're acknowledging that we're children, that we lack understanding, that we often do stupid things and we often make silly requests. We're acknowledging that He is far wiser and more powerful than we are when we come to him with our request. You know, Lauren and I, when we had Caroline, we decided that we wanted to be the yes parents. You know, we grew up in uh, families that we thought always were saying no to everything. And so we said, we're going to say yes. Our goal is we're going to say yes more than we say no as parents, okay? And we're like, yes, we're going to do that. Well, That's impossible, okay? It is impossible as a parent to say yes more than you say no. You know, can we have ice cream for breakfast? No. Can we have cake for breakfast? No. Can we? No. No. You can't have any kind of dessert, anything like that for breakfast. You know, can we we go to Disneyland tomorrow? No, you can't go to Disneyland tomorrow. Can you play another 100 games of Uno with me? No. Two. I'll play two games of Uno with you. But you're bombarded with these requests, and I feel like I'm a broken record, constantly saying no, 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 no. But I have to. I mean, I look back at some of the requests my children make, and half of them would kill them if I were to say yes. The other half would probably kill me. And so I have to say no. And I say no because I actually love them and I care for them. Bad parents say yes to everything because they don't care if their children get hurt. They don't really care about them. They just kind of want them to go away. Yes, do that. Yes, do this. Yes, get out of my presence. Yes, fine. But God is a God who loves us, and that means at times he says, no, it's good parenting. And so when we come to God with our request, we come to him as a child going to his father. Understanding God loves us, God accepts us, but often we request stupid things that any good parent should say no to. And he's wiser and he's far more caring than we are. We can't think of God like some celestial vending machine um, in which you put in a few tokens of praise to get what you want. I think if we were to admit it, probably a lot of us treat God that way. You know, if we just want a, a minor thing, you know, a small something, you only have to put in a little bit of praise, like, okay, uh, dear God, bless this food, all right? But, but if you have, you know, a slightly bigger request, maybe you, you need to do well on a test or do well in a job interview, you're like, all right, uh, all, almighty God, you know everything, you are really wise, and I love you. Could you help me with this? And then if it's something, you know, really really big. Maybe you're, you're fighting some disease or, or you're 
you're about to move unless you can make a payment, and so you need a lot of money. And then, then you're just like, you're, you're digging these things out. Almighty creator God, you are the alpha, you are the omega. If you didn't know what that meant, that meant you're the beginning and you're the end. And, uh, and did I already say omnipotent? You are all these things, and God, would you just do this for me? And then if, if you don't get what you want, you, you think, well, maybe I had a bad coin. Maybe I said a heresy. You know, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I didn't offer enough. And, and so you try to dig way back there. And like, I've heard that you're the bright and morning star, God. And you're, and you're just trying to come up with any kind of praise you can. And then if God still doesn't give you what you want, you treat God just like you would treat any vending machine. You get mad. You yell at it. You kick it. You hit it. You walk away frustrated and tell people, don't, don't ever go to that machine. It doesn't work, all right? It just steals your money. And I've known a lot of Christians who have felt that way towards God. I know a lot of non-Christians, and that's why they say they don't believe in God. I tried prayer. It didn't work. And they, they leave and they run away. But God is not a celestial vending machine. He's not a genie where you rub a lamp and you, you get whatever you want. He's a father. But know that he loves us way more than we could imagine. And God wants to say yes. And indeed, he does say yes to every single request we make that is for our good. His answer is yes. And don't ever make the mistake of thinking that God's up there like delighting, saying no, no, no. Uh, to something just because he wants to, to be mean to us. No, God says yes to everything that will be to our good. Now, if there's ever a time that you think that God is just, he just doesn't want you to be happy, just, he just doesn't want you to have good things, if ever you kind of err into that way of thinking, I want you to remind yourself that God has already given you far more than you have ever asked. Humanity, I mean, all through the ages, never, never asked God to actually send his son. But God sent the most precious gift he could. He sent us Jesus, and we never even asked for him. And he sent us Jesus. He's an extravagant God. He's a generous God. He gives us more, way more beyond we ever could imagine or ask for. He has already done that. So God is waiting to be asked. Big things, little things, waiting because he's already proven his generosity, and he wants to keep giving. Well, let's dig into this prayer itself. Let's look at the first few words. I want us to look at every word closely. Give us this day our daily bread. The first word is give. It's not please. It's not please give. There's none of the manners here that, you know, Southerners really like when we're asking for things. There's no, please, kind sir, if you wouldn't mind, and it wouldn't be too much trouble, could you perhaps give me some bread? There's none of those, like, Southern niceties, no good manners that we have. Now, afterwards, we're going to have a potluck dinner, and, uh, and it would just be to my horror if, as a parent, my children just cut in line uh, and just say, give me bread. No, give me food. And you're like, yeah, you, 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 no, you don't do that. Have your manners. But this is how Jesus says we should pray. 
And what Jesus is hinting at here is our condition. The condition in which we come to him to pray. We come to him in such a desperate state that there's no time for the niceties. We're beggars on the street. We're absolutely desperate for him to provide food. And so we're pleading with God to help us. You know, the shortest prayer in the Bible is Peter as he's drowning. And he just says, save me. All right? That's it. Save me. There's no, hey, Jesus, if you wouldn't mind, if you, you, know, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get through the prayer. He's in a desperate situation. Save me. And that's what Jesus is hinting at here when, when it's just a cry out of our heart right at the start. Give me. Give me. I, I need something. I need it. So there's a desperateness to our prayers. Second, I want you to notice that God does not say, uh, does not teach us to pray, give me. But he teaches us to pray, give us. Give us this day our daily bread. And this fits right in with how he taught us to pray at the beginning of this prayer. prayer. Our Father, not my Father, but we pray our Father. And now we don't pray, give me, we pray, give us. We're praying that God would meet our needs as a community. And so when we come to him, we're not just recognizing our personal need, but we're recognizing the needs of those around me. Those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're recognizing their needs as well. And so God very well might grants you your request and meet your need, but it's not just for you. It's not just for you. God might give you money in order to pay your bills, but he might also be giving you money so you could pay your bills and to pay some other people's bills as well. Or he might give you bread. He might give you food because you've asked for food, but it, he might also be giving you food so that you might give food to others. Maybe you could have over some who are emotionally needy or physically needy over to your house and fix dinner for them. We, we need to be aware of the needs around us in a community. You know, if God gives me bread, I have to realize he's not just giving me bread. He's giving us bread. And one of the things that's been helpful to me, and I've only started doing this recently over the years, is that when I pray, I try to, if, if I need, you know, for instance, you know, money for something, and I'm praying, God, I, I, we really need money for this, I'm trying to picture somebody in the church with the exact same need. I'm trying to picture them. And so I can actually say, Lord, we need money. Lord, we need money for this. And I promise you that when God then answers, it is a lot harder to just say mine. When in your mind, you've been kneeling next to this person and you've been praying together. And so, God, I, I, I need to be lifted up out of this depression I'm in. Well, I know so much. We need this. And you're praying together. And you will share uh, God's answer together. So it's not give me, it's give us. And if of course, we see this throughout the New Testament. Um, we see this in the way God gives his spiritual gifts. You know, the church gets in so much danger when they think God gives gifts for personal enjoyment. And like, you know, so we're praying for gifts, like, uh, you know, whether it's a, a prophecy or whether it's teaching or, or, or things like that. And we're like, okay, these are all mine. 
They're just for me. Wisdom is just for me. But God gives gifts to his church in order for the edification of the body. He gives to you that you might give to others. He does that spiritually and he does that materially. Give us this day our daily bread. So let's look at what we actually ask for, which is bread. We're not asking God for lobster. Not asking God for a new Ferrari, you know, a better vacation home. We're asking him for bread, boring bread. And this seems like a really petty thing to ask for, especially in light of what you've been asking God for earlier in this prayer, praying some pretty big things. God, hallowed be your name. May may the whole earth, hallow your name. May your kingdom come. I mean, those are some pretty big things that we're praying for. And then we we come to this section, and it kind of seems really small and mundane because earlier you're praying about cosmic things. And now just little petty things like bread. And so you got to ask yourself, why does God include this little thing in a prayer that he wants us to pray, teaching us to pray? Um, It's kind of like, praying for a parking spot, uh, praying for shoes. You know, this, God, I pray that these shoes that are on sale, they would be in my size, please. You know, it's, it's, it's a very petty request. And so is it wrong for, things, for us to pray for things like that? Jesus says no. And the reason he says no, it's not wrong to pray for things like that. Because he says, you want those things. You need those things. You need parking spots. You need shoes. You need bread. You need all these small little things. And so why not seek me in the seeking of them? Seek me in the seeking of them. Hear me. It's the the small pursuits we have. It's it's really not the large ones. It's, It's the small pursuits that we have that either steers towards God or away from God. I mean, you you look at Esau. He sold his birthright for soup. Soup. That was it, his birthright. That was a huge deal. And it's like, oh, here's some little soup. Yeah, I want it. Judas betrays Jesus for just 30 small pieces of silver. When Jesus is giving the, uh, the parable about the heavenly feast and inviting people into this wonderful banquet, you know what keeps people from coming and being in his presence? Guy's like, uh, I, I bought some oxen. I need to check them out. Yeah, I, I just bought a small piece of land. I need to go look at it. It's the small things that kept people from enjoying a feast in the presence of God. The trivial things, the, the little Petty things, things like wanting bread. And those can either steer us towards God or they can steer us away from God. And this is why Jesus says, go to God with these requests. Don't ignore these little desires and don't pretend like you don't have them. You do. They're simple needs. And if you go to God with simple needs you actually turn it into a a little step of faith and a profession of faith that, God, you're the one who provides. 
You can turn a small little need and the pursuit of meeting that need into an act of worship. And that's what Jesus is saying we do here. Praying for small things does not trivialize God. What is happening is God is taking trivial things and he's transforming them into something beautiful, an act of worship. Jesus says that we are to do this daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. We we, we are not asking for bread for next week. We're asking for bread for this day. Um, And this whole idea of seeking God every day for food is nothing new. This is found throughout the Bible. You especially see this in the book of Exodus. Because this is how God fed the Israelites for over 40 years in the wilderness. He rained down manna, a bread-like substance for them to eat. Um, If you remember, he, he would rain this down. They were to go and they were to gather up just enough each morning for them to use. It was also a give us this day our daily manna because uh, God said, now he who gathers much will not have too much and he who gathers little won't have too little because everybody shares what they gathered. They're all gathering for one another. Then he says, and you're not to keep it to the next day. You're not to build you know, barns and bigger barns and bigger barns. You're not to store this stuff up. Those who did, it, it rot, it turned to worms. He said, every day I want you to go out and to seek this food. Every day I want you to trust me for this. And if you think about it, God could have fed the Israelites any way he wanted. They, they could have you know, said, you wake up, you turn over, there's you know, bacon and eggs and orange juice and coffee. Not bacon. There's, there's just eggs, grits. <laughs> there's, there's orange juice, coffee. I get so distracted. He he could have just said, you don't need food. I'm just going to sustain you. You don't need food. But but instead, he he sets it up this way where every day they're going to have to get out of their tent and they're either going to gather up God's grace or they're going to trample on it. But every day it's going to be there. They either recognize his grace and they bring it in or they just walk right over it. And God set it up this way as a sign for us, a sign for them and a sign for us. He wanted them to every day trust him for his provision, every day to receive the grace that comes from his hand, to acknowledge it, to receive it. You know, I was, I was doing bad math. I was actually doing this right before I came up here, but I've had over 50,000 meals provided by God consecutively. It's a pretty good track record. Um, I, I've, I've never missed because I couldn't buy a meal. Um, sometimes I've chosen to miss, but 50,000, that's, that's a lot of graces. God's asking me, is, was that just a simple meal or was it an act of worship? Were you seeking me out, participating in that, that daily grace? Are we just trampling over it? God set it up this way so that every day we would depend on him. 
And this is really is what this prayer is all about that Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us to, to declare our total dependency on a good God and to accept his grace every day. It's about hearing from God and getting nourishment from God every day, physically, spiritually. Yesterday's manna is not going to do. You need fresh manna every day. Spiritually, some of you guys here have been, have been living off of manna that was about three or four years ago. If somebody were to ask you, you know, how are you doing? How, how's your Christian walk doing? Well, you think back to maybe a time where you, in, you were in college. Maybe you had a prayer time with a bunch of people and God was just so real to you. And you're going back to that time. Like, yeah, man, I, man, me and God, we're, we're tight. I had this experience a few years ago. And that's old manna. You're thankful for it. You grew from it. But, but every day, we're to seek him, seek his grace, seek his face. Old manna will not do. And spiritually, I think, is really the direction that Christ is moving us in this prayer. Definitely, make no mistake, he's asking us to pray for physical bread. But physical bread is a symbol pointing to him. Christ is ultimately talking about our need for him. You know, if you go through the Gospels, you're going to find one miracle. Outside of the resurrection, there's just one miracle that's in all four Gospels. And that's Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's 5,000 men. It was probably about 15,000, 20,000 people that Jesus fed. Only one in all four Gospels. And the reason it's there, and every gospel writer, I think, saw it as so important because this reveals so much about who we are and who God is and how much we depend on him for everything. And every gospel writer thought, I have to include that. And in John's gospel, when he's recording that Jesus feeding the 5,000, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he, he leaves he goes across the Sea of Capernaum, and people race to meet him there. And so there's all of a sudden there's masses of people on the other side of the sea. And they're all saying, God, I, or they're not saying God, they're saying, Jesus, you, you gave us all this food. Do it again. Come on, do it again. We just walked a long way to come see you again. We're hungry again. Do it again. Jesus, it's like you're, you're, you don't care about me. You, you, you just want the things I give you. And he says this to them in John 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which I'll give you. Jesus says, don't just ask me for things and seek things just for the things. Don't follow me just because I gave you bread. Realize what the bread I gave you was pointing to, which is me. If you think about what's happening here in terms of the Lord's prayer, these people, they are praying, God, give us this day our daily bread, but they're not praying to hallowed be your name before it. They're saying, God, we just want food. We want food, but we don't really care if it's an act of worship or if you're glorified and honored in it. 
just fill our bellies. And Jesus says, this is a sign to me. He, he tells them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus says, this physical bread is a sign pointing to the one who really satisfies you. Just as physical bread satisfies your stomach, I'm the one who satisfies your soul, your heart's desire. So come to me. And every time that you are eating physical bread, we here, we need to remember that. God is the one who gives us physical bread, and God is the one who nourishes us. God, this is no longer me just eating bread. This is an act of worship. It's no longer me just praying for a parking spot. It's no longer me just praying for shoes. This is an act of worship. You're the one who provides these things, and every good gift points me ultimately to you, Jesus. I've said this before, but God's greatest adversary is his gifts. We get fascinated with the gifts, and we forget the giver. We need to repent of that. I so appreciated uh, Melissa Ritchie last week sharing, um, uh, sharing in her testimony things I think all of us could relate to. How she had needs, some, some genuine needs. You know, God, I, I need more space. You know, God, I, I really would like some time to where I could exercise. God, I really would like... And she just kept listing all of these things and praying for them and and that God would give them to her, and then she would realize she wanted more. And God would give to her, and then she wanted more. And what she was doing is she was just accepting the gifts, but it wasn't the giver that satisfied her. And she confessed that, and it was a beautiful thing. I think all of us can relate to that. God's given me 50,000 meals, and I'm still hungry. Still hungry. And he's like, come to me, and you'll never hunger again. Come to me. All of my gifts are to lead you to me. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the manna that God sent down. And what we're about to remember as we go to this table is Jesus isn't just the bread of life, but Jesus is the bread of life broken. He's the bread of life who is broken for us. He entered into our broken world. He entered into all of our hurts, all of our sorrows, and he took those upon him on the cross where he was broken for us. You know, we deserve God to rain down judgment upon us. Yet God rained down bread, rained down provision. We deserve to be thrown out from the feast. But because of the work of Christ, we are fully accepted, and now we come to him as our Father, and we can sit at his table. And what I would just encourage you to do that, to do this week, is to do that. Let everything you seek be an act of worship. Every need you have, see the giver behind it. Pray with me. God, like we sang earlier, you are always giving, you are always good. We confess there's times we don't recognize your goodness, but that's simply because we're a child and we don't know better. You have never once, never once denied any request that has been for our good. 
You're a good, good Father. And I pray we would humbly come to You with needs both great and small. And through us seeking an answer to those needs, we would ultimately be seeking You, the giver of those who satisfies. Jesus, thank You for being the bread of life. And not just the bread of life, but the bread of life broken for us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.